We start our first week of Syracuse football preseason camp today, the full week. We had a little tease last week. Today is your first full week of Syracuse football preseason camp. So we look at some of the biggest questions I have heading into week two of camp and that first full week of Syracuse football preseason action. Plus, we take a look at the topic that has been at the forefront of all conversations the last week. That is a little bit of conference realignment. I'll throw my two cents in there and we'll move on, barring some big news in the ACC and Syracuse football. But for now, we'll do some week two questions. We'll do a little conference realignment chat. It's your Locked On Syracuse Monday episode. Let's get right in. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, good morning. What's up, Syracuse? And thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn, they, LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. Owen Valentine here on your Locked On Syracuse Monday episode, uh, raining things in after this weekend. You had some fun yesterday with that Syracuse-Georgetown alumni matchup. Syracuse ends up on the wrong side of it, but by everything I saw, it looked like a fun little event. A lot of Syracuse alum there playing, obviously, and watching. Coach Beheim was there. Coach Autry was there. Fun little game, fun little environment. Uh, unfortunately, once again, Syracuse ends up on the wrong side of things. But today's not a Syracuse basketball episode by any means. We're talking Syracuse football. We are in the preseason track. We are in preseason camp. And I wanted to list off today a handful of questions that I had heading into week two of camp. Obviously, you know, you're trying to piece together stories. You're trying to piece together things. Uh, in my case, right, I'm not credentialed. I'm not there at this point in time. So I'm piecing things together based on reports I see on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, uh, from you know the likes of all of those different reporters that are there day in and day out, Emily Liker, uh, Mike McAllister, to name a few, um, trying to piece together what I can do based on their video, their clips, things like that. So there's a lot of questions. There are a lot of things that are up in the air, and there are some pieces that you can incorrectly put together. And I want to lead with that, right? A lot of preseason camp analysis and diving in is some speculation. And so sometimes you're spot on, sometimes you nail things, sometimes you get things wrong. Uh, and, and I'm trying to piece as much as I can together uh, based on the information that I can crowdsource at this point in time, press conference info, video info, reports, things of that nature. So some of my questions that I have that I, I think are very pressing in terms of my understanding of the Syracuse football team and also uh, Syracuse's success this season. Uh, so that's sort of where these questions stem from, right? Where am I most concerned? I voiced a little bit of that last week. And also where can Syracuse, if they see some success, if they see some guys step up, where can they see the biggest impact 
in their 2023 season outlook. So that's where our questions come from today. First question of the week uh, has to do with the quarterback, has to do with the, the man under center, the man taking snaps. That's Garrett Schrader. And last week, and I assume it will continue into this week, they had Schrader on that, on that sort of pitch count uh, and how many throws he takes. And I saw they were taking a number of just dry snaps with no football and, uh, you know, your typical drop going through your progressions, receivers going up against cornerbacks uh, and the defense uh, and just trying to do some dry reps. And I assume that has a good chunk to a do with, you know, continuing your familiarity with the playbook and the progressions and things like that. But I would also assume that that has something to do with the fact that they are trying to limit Schrader's throws as he progresses back into that full strength. Now, I've mentioned this. I mentioned it last week, and I will continue to mention it. I have heard Dino Babers continue to talk about how Garrett Schrader is back and better than ever. He's under restrictions. All right, so let's pump the brakes there. I believe that after the surgery, after the procedure, he can be better than he was if he was playing through injury, if that has been something that had been bothering him for years or games and games and games, whatever that might be. I believe that he can come back better. Let's hold on, okay? This is a guy that you're limiting right now, a guy that needs to be eased back in. So let's hold out on that he's 100% better than ever until he is 100% because he's not 100% right now, or he might be, but they're trying to pump the brakes. So my question is, what more do we see out of Schrader this week as the pitch count expands, as that number continues to grow? What can we piece together in terms of the health of Schrader's arm and the factuality, or maybe it's bluffing a little bit, as to how much more effective Garrett Schrader is following that procedure? That's my big question, right? Garrett Schrader, for all intents and purposes, drives the success of this team. His season is going to be indicative of whether Syracuse football makes a bowl game or not. There are other factors. There are other contributors. This is a team, right? You got 22 guys playing on offense and defense, plus uh, with the way Syracuse football runs, with reserve guys coming in, with your second stringers coming in that are still impact guys, significant snap guys. But Garrett Schrader's season is, is really what Syracuse is looking at. And that is why I think there needs to be so much emphasis on his preseason and seeing how he's throwing the ball. And is there any improvement on the deep ball? And things like that. Some of the things that, even though Schrader had a decent season last year, just shy of 3,000 yards through the air, there are things he can work on. There are things he can improve on. Uh, and, and this is a time to be looking at that. And it's a little bit more difficult to analyze on a pitch count, on restrictions, not throwing the ball as often as you would assume he would. So that's my question number one. My question number two is a little bit more fun. And this is where a lot of the you're reading into things, you're predicting, what can this mean? What does this mean? Uh, and I, I think for me, that has to do with the secondary for Syracuse football. On the defensive side, your DBs, what are they doing? And who is stepping up in DB land? Because your defensive backs took a hit last year. You lose Garrett Williams. You lose Jihad Carter. You lose Deuce Chestnut, to name a few. Okay, that is a major hit. Those are three, arguably, of your best defensive players, right? And I don't think there's all too much argument right there. 
right? You, you lose Michael Jones in the linebacking core. You lose a few other guys. No doubt it hurts. But in terms of the group that took the biggest hit this season or between last season and this season, that is your DBs. And so as there is so much in terms of replacing and transition and guys stepping up and new starters, who slots in there? And you look, and I think that's where one of your biggest competitions is going to be, is trying to solidify that 2D and get your name on there. Because there is a slew of names. I mean, I look at the cornerback situation. you got Isaiah Johnson, Jeremiah Wilson, who uh, slotted in a lot last season, especially as you know, Garrett Williams was battling through injury, uh, just some you know backup guys going in, give some breaks, things like that. Those are guys that played a good bit of run last season. But you've also got some guys in the portal, your two Jadens, Jaden Gould, Jaden Bellamy. Uh, how can they fit in there? Uh, a guy like Quan Peterson, how can he fit in there? Uh, there are some other guys, uh, Barry Baxton, Barry Buxton, whatever his name is. Uh, there are some guys, and that's just a cornerback spot. I mean, you've got options in terms of the cornerbacks because of the portal, because of some guys getting a good a bit of run uh, as a result of injury last year. Uh, and we know more than anyone, uh, Syracuse football's defense battled through injury last season. It seemed like every week you saw a new depth chart because someone else went down. Someone else was recovering. Someone else was hurt. And it serves to help this team a little bit this season because, you know, with the exodus that you saw, the people exiting, uh, big name guys, theoretical starters leaving this program to the NFL, to the portal uh, for unknown reasons, whatever it might be you look at, you know, who can step up. And fortunately, you had some guys that were able to get a glimpse into that step up already last season. I look at the Rover between Braylon Oliver, Justin Barron. Uh, I see them both being able to get time in there without question. Uh, your safeties and Jason Simmons, Elijah Clark, both of those guys doing really good, looking solid, uh, have some experience without question probably two or three in terms of your, your rover and safeties of your more veteran guys on this team, especially in the secondary. Uh, you know, you got two seniors in Justin Barron and Jason Simmons uh, and a junior in Elijah Clark, which is really cool to have that experience there. I'm looking for, you know, who in those reserves, who in those secondary guys, who as the second name in those two deeps is going to make a name for themselves. I remember last year, uh, Jeremiah Wilson made an unbelievable interception on a goal line fade, uh, and he he jumped up my my rankings, and I I still rate him probably higher than he needs to be because of how fondly I look back at that play. Who's going to be that name? Who's going to be that guy that steps up in the secondary that you're like, all right, when his name gets called, I'm fired up, I'm excited, whatever that situation is. All right. Let's take a quick break. Let's talk about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs, and then we will continue with our questions heading in to week two of preseason camp for Syracuse football. But before that, let's talk LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. They help find the right people for your team faster and for free. You just post your job, add your job, and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They're simple tools like screening questions. They make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize 
who you'd like to interview and hire. The right team member is paramount to your team's success. It's like finding the right quarterback. It's like finding the point guard. It is like finding that key sixth man in basketball or that guy that you can go to at any point when you need a big play. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply Owen Valentine here on your locked on Syracuse Monday episode we're talking preseason camp questions we'll talk a little conference realignment to end the episode today and right now we are talking about my questions heading in to preseason camp on this Monday episode of locked on Syracuse I talked about Garrett Schrader I talked about who steps up in the secondary. My other preseason camp questions have to do with the O-line. Uh, and, and this O-line is, is something that Syracuse has battled with in years past. It, it, it's something that, you know, when you look at Syracuse football and you look at when they struggled in games, the O-line was, was often a big contributor. And, and you lose some guys from that O-line last season. Uh, and some guys that you'd love to have back, but, that's not how things work at this point in time, right? Whether it's graduation, whether it's the NFL. I mean, you had an O-lineman leave Syracuse football for the NFL and Matthew Bergeron, second round pick. Uh, phenomenal. It's a good thing. It's good to see. But right now you've got some turnover in the O-line. And you take a look at things. You've got some names in there that I still like without question. Uh, but it, it's looking to see, you know, who else steps up. It's similar to the secondary. Not quite the same, uh, but you, you've got some guys that are going to be in position battles, I would think. You've got some front runners without question, but I look at this O-line situation and I want to see, you know, who's there? Who's saying, hey, don't forget about me, or hey, look at this guy. I'm not ready to forfeit a spot. And with the O-line, we've seen year after year after year after year, right? How often do your five O-linemen make it the entire season? How often does that happen without an injury in the trenches? It's a rarity. It happens year after year. You've got guys that go down. You've got guys that have to slot in because of injury. That is the reality of the trenches in college football. Who are those maybe non-starters, but those two deep guys that you're looking at and you have that confidence in now because of what they've done, because of what you've seen in preseason camp, because of you know, this guy's standing out. This is a younger player, maybe, who is making a name for himself uh, as a guy that is going to be a key contributor this season if his name is called because of an injury, because of a struggle, whatever that might be, or in the future, right? We're looking now at the future of this program, the future of this team, and you're trying to establish names that you want to be comfortable with and that you're going to be able to look at and say, yeah, yeah, I remember him from preseason camp last season. He was able to jump in. Uh, and be a huge impact guy and, and made some big plays and things like that. So you look at that and you're you're trying to piece things together. Uh, you, you lose Carlos Federello, you lose Dakota Davis as well in the mix there, uh, as long as Matt or as well as Matthew Bergeron. You know, I look at this. Uh, you you've got guys that I like. You know, Enrique Cruz is, is a fan favorite at this point. The the, the Sarah Cruz tailgate. Uh, and I, I thought I saw a story which is outstanding that he used his NIL money this past season. Uh, to to buy his mother uh, a nice vacation, which I think is incredible. 
it's exactly what like the feel good stories of NIL that you're looking for are uh, to see the impact that this money can have on people and being able to, you know, say, Hey, I don't really need this for myself right now. I'm doing fine. I'm doing my thing. Here you go, mom, let's do something fun uh, is, is an incredible story. Uh, I love that. You got, come on, Ellis in there, Josh Aloha. Um, I, I like these guys. You got some new names in there as well. Joe Moore uh, from the transfer portal, David Wallaba from the transfer portal. Uh, there are some portal guys in this mix as well. I'll be curious to see, you know, in a couple of weeks when that first two deep comes out, uh, if there's any surprises, because I, I do think that this O-line group, because of the turnover, because of some names leaving, because of some names graduating, uh, you had some guys jump in last season, but I think this is a unit uh, where you could see some surprise, where you could be, ooh, I didn't expect him to be there, uh, or I didn't see this as the first name uh, on that list. I didn't think he would be the starter. I didn't think he would be the second, uh, the, the reserve player there. Uh, interesting, and I, I do think that's where a lot of insight can come in. Uh, and it's one of your questions, one of your surprise answers. Uh, could be from that O-line group. There's a number of other questions. Feel free to let me know uh, on Twitter, something I missed, something you think I should hit on, uh, because there are a number of questions. I figured I'd hit on three today. Uh, I'm sure we will revisit these as we get some answers, as more questions arise. Uh, but it's Garrett Schrader, the health of that arm, just because of how important he is to this team and this roster this year. The secondary, uh, the DBs for Syracuse football's defense, who steps up? so much turnover and that's a similar uh narrative for the o-line good amount of turnover you've got some guys with experience guys that slotted in last season who steps up who continues to establish themselves as i'm that guy and who is you know someone where maybe you're surprised i think those are two position groups where you can see just because of the the newer faces in those groups the number of uh starting spots that are being replaced uh and, and people are filling in for i think that'll be a really interesting one all right, so Locked on Syracuse Monday. A lot has been happening across the, the college athletics landscape. Uh, it started uh, on Friday. It started, you know, a year ago at this point, even more. These are things that happen. These are conversations that continue to happen. But it seems like, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong because I'm not as, as into or I was young uh, the last time there were bigger uh, conference realignments, things like that. I don't have all too much in, in terms of the history of that. So I'll put my hand up and throw that out there. But it seems like right now conference realignment is as important as it's ever been because it seems like we might be on the brink of, of some big things happening and we are continuing to see big things happening. Uh, and, and the latest of that is is sort of the, I don't know, the dissolving of the Pac-12 at this point in time. Uh, you got four squads left in the Pac-12. You've got what, seven or six teams have departed at this point in time, some of the Big 12, some of the Big 10, uh, and, and the latest is Washington and Oregon to the Big 10. Uh, I, I just wanted to throw my two cents in about this conversation. Uh, I will deep dive more if I feel like Syracuse or the ACC is on the brink of something. You know, you've got your FSU news where, where they're looking for a way out. I don't know how imminent that is just because of how expensive the buyout is to get out of the ACC. Uh, but the issues with revenue sharing there uh, and wanting a, a bigger piece of the puzzle uh, and a bigger piece of the pie and the revenue uh, that comes from these TV deals. And it's interesting uh, to see what happens and things of that nature. But 
these are, as you're very, very clear, uh, and is no one's really beating around the bush, right? But these conference moves and, and these changes, they're revenue oriented, right? Without question. We know that. These are money moves uh, through the lens of football. And that is the reality of this, right? You're looking at your biggest contracts, your biggest TV deals, your biggest sources of revenue. It's football. Okay. And that's not a knock on basketball. That's not a knock on non-rev sports, but there's a reason you're called a non-rev sport. Uh, and it's because you're not making money. Okay. You're not bringing funds in to, for the most part, uh, you're operating at a net loss that is funded courtesy of football and basketball revenue. But these moves are made through the lens of football. They are. That's what we know. We know that. And one of my biggest concerns with conference realignment and this has been voiced on Twitter. This has been voiced uh, in a number of articles this past weekend uh, and will continue to be the voice uh, of reason and, and something that needs to be brought up is that when making money moves with regards to football, your non-rev sports are impacted tremendously. That has to do with you know, your, your soccer, your field hockey, baseball, softball, whatever that might be, and the impact that has on their schedule right? You're a big 10 team. You're a Penn State playing in Pennsylvania. Now, as a non-rev team, you've got an away game in Washington, in Oregon. The impact on them, travel-wise, student athletes, right? Also, you know, in sports where maybe there's not as adamant of a professional league, right? Where you're playing college athletics, uh, and, and there really isn't necessarily that next step, barring the, the really, really tremendous few that can do things at the Olympic level. This hurts, right? You're there for an education. You're student athletes. The impact this has on education outside of football, outside of basketball, where you're chartering everything, where you're doing things like that, uh, it, it hurts. And there is going to be a tremendous impact on non-rev sports in terms of recruiting, in terms of you know being able to succeed in the classroom, uh, the difficulties of you know having to travel and having things like that, right? You're not chartering flights for non-rev sports. You're sitting in airports, right? Your game, you got a seven o'clock game. Game ends at nine. You shower. You're at the airport. Maybe you go back to the hotel for an additional night, where you wouldn't have had to in the past because you can get on a bus and go straight home because you're playing regionally, you're playing relatively local, or as local as you can be at the level that you're playing at. This hurts players. And it is a money decision. And I get money decisions. I get that you need to make money decisions to allow these sports to happen. I'd be, you know, it's wrong of me not to acknowledge that because it needs to be acknowledged. Uh, I, I saw some ideas on Twitter, uh, throw some out here as well. I'm curious what you guys think. Um, there was a thought about, you know, separating football entirely and letting football do things like that. You're playing weekend games. Uh, it allows you travel time. You've got a whole Sunday to get back without students missing class. Uh, things like that where you can make money moves for football where football would make sense and then allow your other teams to play more regional and, and your, you know, your conferences maybe stay the same where your your ACCs are coastal uh, or on the East Coast, where where your Pac-12s or your, you know, wherever, your Big Tens in the Midwest-ish 
your 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 Big 12s or where they are, right? Your SEC is in the Southeast, things like that, where you're staying regional a little bit more, right? There are anomalies. There are, you know, further traveling spots than there are uh, in every conference at this point in time, right? You got, you know, teams that maybe shouldn't fit the mold. But for the most part, that allows your non-rev sports, that allows your uh, your softball, baseball, field hockey, rowing, golf, whatever that might be, to stay a little more local. Monetarily, funding-wise, that's huge. Student-athlete-wise, that is huge in the classroom. That is huge. Mental health, that is huge. Right, It's a big thing. And it is interesting to see, and I, I think you will be seeing the impact of these moves the most, not on football, not in the TV deals, not in the new conference where you've got this stuff, but you're going to see the biggest negative impact and the biggest issues arise outside of football and basketball. And that is the reality of things. I'm not against realigning conferences. I get it's a thing that needs to happen. I get it's something that, you know, college football programs and colleges as a whole need to do to stay afloat in some capacity, not stay afloat, but make their money. I get it. I understand. However, right, this is not something where student athletes who are now traveling from Pennsylvania to Washington for an away game, they don't see any more. They don't see anything. They're still on the own for NIL. And these are now universities, businesses, uh, executives, things like that, that are getting more revenue making more money seems like we've gone in in, in that circle right you, you take two steps forward or one step forward two steps back right your players are getting compensated now in some capacity some players are getting compensated now in some capacity and now here we are let's make up for that get ourselves some more money by redoing these tv deals by realigning conferences by trying to find the most i don't know I'm sure I'll have more thoughts on that as things continue, as we start to see more, uh, and as we start to get more insight into what this means for players, what this means for programs, what this means for teams, and what could be the big sort of Pangea event um, that that could happen as a result of things. And, you know, there are some fun ideas. I'll close with this. I saw something like, uh, you know, two conferences will say, uh, we'll make up, maybe it was the, the SEC and the Big Ten, we'll make up one thing and then that leaves, whatever, 32 teams uh, and you make it like an NFL where you got four conference or four um, divisions per conference. You play your four divisional opponent or your three divisional opponents. You play some, uh, you know, out of conference, out of division games, and then you go for an NFL playoff style thing. I think that'd be cool. I think that'd be fun. Uh, but there's a lot of theoretical ideas that, you know, whether or not you need to read into them all too much, probably don't at this point in time, but it is fun to see some possibilities uh, and where the landscape of college football could go from there. That'll do it for today. Uh, if you got questions you want me to hit on, if you've got questions about Syracuse football camp that I missed today, uh, let me know in the comments on YouTube. Let me know on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse over there. Keep the conversation going. Topics you want to hit on for the rest of the week. Feel free to ask. I would assume at this point in time, I'm going to do a little basketball roundup just because I haven't talked basketball in a while in terms of recruiting. Uh, we'll hit on that at some point this week. We'll continue to talk about Syracuse football preseason uh, and expand on some topics that maybe we've hit briefly or have fallen through the cracks uh, as we hit uh, our stride in football season. 
It's good to be back. First full week. Hopefully, we'll do a five-episode week this week. Uh, and we are back, ready to do it. Uh, thank you for listening. I'll catch you tomorrow. Uh, thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today and every day. Free and available wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That'll do it for me today. Hit me on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse. Be kind. Make somebody smile today. Have a good one. Enjoy your Monday, and have a great week, everybody.